I don't know when this thing really goes live. Whoa. I don't know if it's a little thing pops up that says live or when the little wheel starts spinning on the other side. I really probably should pay attention and maybe have maybe a it when Maybe it's when the red counter starts in the top corner. I don't know. Well, I, I you know, I don't know. Can't tell. Um, but since nobody's with us in these first 15 seconds, <laughs> yeah, it really exactly. doesn't matter. We can say whatever we want. Oh. Wait, we do that anyway. Yeah, we kind of do. Uh, Will's not with us again tonight. He had some excuse about loading two cars up into a trailer and too busy going to SEMA. Lucky son of a bitch. I told him to put $5 on, um, what did I tell him? 28? 28. I don't know why I picked 28. There was a reason. I don't know. I probably should have told him 42 because of Douglas Adams, but do you think he would figure out that there is no 42 on a roulette table? Eh, just <laughs> let it, let it all ride on black. Come on. Nah, I want better than two to one. No, oh, all right. No, I seem to have pretty good odds when it comes to certain things. Uh, <clears throat> Caleb just uh, smoked you. It's actually three cars because he's pulling into Will's shop right now. Oh. <laughs> well, how come he can be here, but Will can't? Yeah, really. <clears throat> Thanks, Caleb. Thanks for joining us. Yes, Caleb, thank you for being there. Um, we are looking for a third host to repel it. <laughs> yeah. No. We have a recent vacancy. Uh, yes. If you go to nodriving.gloves.com, you'll find the job posting. No, we, we seem to... Uh, we, oh, I'll be honest. Um, not always honest. I never lie, do I? Um <laughs> Will works his ass off, and I honestly don't know. I know he was planning to take four or five cars, and maybe he's taking three. Um, so we give him a we give him a lot of leeway. You know, I really don't have a job. I'm just a bum. And I do have a beer here, kind of representing uh, being a bum. Wow, you got a beer? I got a beer. I was, I was so pumped about tonight's topic. Oh, I have not... scotch. I had to break out the scotch. Because I am ready. Until I move into the new studio, no hard liquor for me. Which looks like um, sometime in November, I'll be in the new studio. Um, this one is actually a complete disaster right now as I begin tearing things apart. And I got computers and iPads and cables. and Of course it's, it's, it's a disaster. You have a picture of a mini behind you. Of course I have a picture of a mini behind me. And that, that's because I had this, th this was a Facebook memory that popped up today. And I'm going to be, I'm going to give some mini love here. Jason, who, who said this is what it started as? This is just where I am in the glass. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pour it when the, we went live. <laughs> Derek poured that about two 30 this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so now i'm gonna give some mini love because this picture popped up and i don't know if i've ever told the whole story on the podcast and it's my podcast so i'm gonna tell the story tough whoa 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 my podcast yes no wonder why will's not here anymore <laughs> um well it was this day seven years ago that this mini well actually it was yesterday seven years ago that this mini came into my life and it broke 12 years of me boycotting everything bmw and everything mini 
because they had screwed me out of the mini that my ex-wife and I had ordered. Uh, and it was supposed to be one of the first basically 20 delivered on the East Coast. And after a whole bunch of bull with um, the dealership and the dealership finally admitting that they lied and they're never going to get minis in stock and giving giving me back my substantial deposit, um, I pursued minis elsewhere and nobody would sell me one for less than 5000 over sticker. And if everybody knows me, I'm, I spend money carelessly, but I'm a cheapskate. So I boycotted many because I felt they should help me because I had money down on this damn car for over a year and it wasn't my fault that the their authorized BMW dealer screwed me. But we all know how I have this affectionate love for Fiat and we will go over those acronyms. Is that what that's called? In a couple of episodes, we talked about that. Sure, why not? Yeah. So this one came into my life because of a Fiat and hey, guess what? It's a Axis car. And she, I'll be honest, she still drives it seven years later. I, I see it around town every now and then. And I hated this car. It was anemic. It's black. It's black in the upper canopy. It felt claustrophobic. But we all know what happened, and I ended up buying my my Mini. And, the re, you know, part of it is this car came into my life seven years ago and kind of re-entered me into the BMW world. And then ironically, today, seven years ago, I drove a BMW Z4. So obviously that weekend reintroduced me to the love of BMWs. And I recently, in the last day, well, yesterday, had an opportunity to drive a um, all-original CRX SI. We all know I have this man love all over about CRX SIs. I like my Mini much better. And that might have replaced kind of the desirability of the CRX. Kind of tempted, I would like to, once everything settles down and such, maybe get a vintage 2002, 2003 R56. I don't know. Mini guys, 53. I don't know. One of the original minis that break all the time and are absolute maintenance nightmares. But my love of the CRX may be replaced by the Mini. Feels so much similar, or it feels very similar. Let me try English there. And I was really reflecting on all the cars I've had. And it reminds me of my Europa with a high driving position. And to be honest, I enjoy driving my Europa more than I did my um, Caterham 7 or slash Lotus 7. But, you know, the Europa was extremely low. I mean, you could, you know, take out a kneecap on the upper window frame, things like that. But it just felt low and wide. Now, the Mini's tall and vertical, but it just kind of feels that wide. It feels firmly planted in that. So there's my love of Mini tonight before we maybe jump into a real topic. Um, obviously, I've bored everybody because Jason just, you know, laughed 20 minutes ago and <laughs> we haven't had any more comments. What have you been up to, Derek? You've been giving any man love to any cars or such? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wow, John. Um, I know it's after hours, but come on. Hey, I'm only uh, two sips into this beer. What do you think it's going to be like when I'm 10 ounces in? Right. <laughs> when are we going to bust out the cigars? <laughs> You know, unfortunately, um, exactly, Lane. Uh, unfortunately, I have not been able to do much with cars lately. I have been 
underwater at work. Um, obviously, you, I think we you, talked you, last time. You, you might want to. Well, I want to clarify that because, you know, you guys have seemed to have natural disasters up there. Oh, geez. Shut <laughs> up. Um, I'm just slammed at work. Uh, we got a lot of big projects going on, a lot of stuff going on. That's going to be pretty cool in the next year or so. Um, but yeah, I, I really haven't had much time. Of course, add the, the two kiddos into that factor and everything else that's going on. Of course, I'm, I'm battling. I'm sorry, guys. There's like some kind of mosquito or something buzzing around it. And don't, don't, uh, I don't even need to get into it, but I'm, I'm battling with, um, you know, an insurance company and the body shop at the dealership that are fighting each other about how long it should take to fix a car and, you know, them not wanting to keep me in a rental car, even though my other car is not done. But anyway, um, we've, we've got that resolved. Uh, that's always fun. You know, at least it was somebody that hit you or hit family members because it really sucks when you pay rental car insurance or whatever it is, 18 cents a month. And then you crash your car and it's your fault. And they only want to give you a rental for three and a half weeks. And the recent accident experience with a friend of mine took her six weeks to get an estimate done on her car. Another buddy of mine crashed his car on a road tour six, six weeks ago, five weeks ago, took him that long to get an estimate. And it's not an everyday car. So now we're taking bets on whether or not he gets it back in eight months or a year or 16 mm -hmm. months, you know? Uh, yeah. And it took us a little while to, well, we went and got a, uh, um, you know, the, the estimate written at the dealership that we want it repaired at turned everything over. And then of course the insurance company of the person who hit us, well, hit my wife, uh, you know, they're like, well, we can't accept that. You have to take it over to our, you know, preferred dealership in Bowling Green took it there. They underwrote the estimate ridiculously low. I mean, obvious things like, gee, I don't know the special AT4 rim that's on the AT4 packaged cars probably needs to be replaced because, Oh, I don't know. It gouged it and scratched it and it's a brand new car. I'm not going to put up with that. They didn't put it in the estimate. So of course the GM body shop, has to submit a supplemental claim, so on and so forth. That gets lost in the computer system. It's it's a nightmare. It's it's just a nightmare. But I, I consulted on that one car accident a couple of weeks ago for a friend of mine, and it was funny because they contacted him and said, "Your car's not going to be totaled. We came in just under you know the threshold." And then when I went in to look at the estimate and negotiate the estimate they didn't include any wheel repairs, even though three bent rims were bent, <laughs> cracked. Um, and, well, let's find out what these cost. And that car had $10,000 worth of wheels on it. Mm -hmm. That made a big difference on whether or not it was going to be totaled or not. But <laughs> that's one of, I think, I think it was intentionally done. If I wanted to went in and talked to them about it, it would have been, okay, we're going to repair it because it's only X number of dollars in it. You know, it's whatever. I can't remember the threshold in Alabama is 80% or 90% or 60%, whatever. It was just shy of the threshold. And then they would do the supplement for the wheels. And then, of course, they were telling me, no, we can only put X wheels on this car. And the car's heavily customized. Those wheels don't have a chance of fitting it. 
And this is the way we bought the car. The insurance company has pictures of the car when we bought it. They agreed to this. So, you know, th those were the decisions that now you can go to Copart and potentially place a bid on that car. Exactly. I, I haven't been there in a few days. I think so. So basically, to answer your question, $2,500 you can potentially purchase this car for. Okay. And it, I'll be honest, if I had a place for it, $2,500 is a steal. Um, so anyway, to answer your question, as I was trying to say. Um, I don't even remember. My I'm question. actually really irritated with cars right now. So the man love for cars is uh, um, waning right now, if you will. And it's kind of the Lane Kelton comment here from a few minutes ago that uh, he loves to work on them, but hates it when he has to work on them. And that's exactly why I don't have project cars anymore, <laughs> because they never want to run when I want them to run. And then I have to work on them. Hey, I've got a lot of project cars. Anybody wants one? Well, eh, who am I kidding? I can't sell them. <laughs> Hey, Lane, you, you want to hear another story about an ex? <laughs> um, this was 1994. Lane didn't say anything about an ex. <laughs> but he backed, into his, he backed into his brother-in-law, got into my blazer one day, got in with my, well, it ended up being my wife, put the truck in reverse, and she screamed as I backed into her truck. It was parked immediately behind me. Nah, yeah. So we all we all do that. My mom also did it to my Why'd dad. Why'd she park there? Well, it was a I rented a basement apartment and the driveway was two cars wide, two cars deep, and the landlord who lived above me had the right side of the driveway and I had the left side of the driveway. Why she got into the car with me thinking her car didn't need moved, I don't know, but I try not to blame other people for my mistakes. At least in the last four or five months, I tried to do that. I was going to say, when now or back then? <laughs> or when did that start? There, he backed into his brother. Uh, Lane was going to pay for everything. But oh, that was the taillight weight. Lane must have been talking about a couple of weeks ago on the show. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous the prices that are coming up nowadays. Uh, Jason, Man. Jason, you were looking at CTSs. That's an ATS that I keep talking about. <laughs> that was could have been a good topic, too, but we're not going to cover that tonight, Jason. No, we might actually get into a topic now that it's been 15 minutes. So, oh, I was saying something about my mom back in the day, backing nope, into... Not getting into a topic. A, a freshly painted Dodge Ram plow truck that my dad had, painted bright fire engine red, Brand new chrome bumper and everything. <laughs> Got to the house the day before she backed out of the garage and <laughs> took it out and took out the back corner of her convertible. And then I remember riding with her to the car dealership because she wanted to get it fixed that afternoon to hide it from my dad. It obviously couldn't happen. But okay. What is it with what is it with people backing into brightly colored objects? My ex did the same thing. Of all things to back into, literally just had just walked by it to get into her car, gets in her car and backs into the bright orange U-Haul truck that was parked behind her in the parking lot. 
you just walked by it. It's a bright orange. How do you miss it? Well, I guess she didn't miss it. But anyway, I, yeah, baffling. Well, it looks like there's a whole bunch of guilty people. Um, and here we are episodes ago uh, criticizing driver aids. Obviously, there's a reason we all have cameras on our cars anymore <laughs> and backup beepers and alerts and I have a question. What is the best rated vehicle for 21? Are you talking about 21 year olds for like, what, what are we talking about? Best rated vehicle for 21? I, I think Lane's oh, 2021, talking, the year. I, sorry. Well, is he now talking about it. towing capacity and we can get back into that mini topic and how, how well minis tow for a vehicle their size? Well, I mean, we could look at the zero to 60 um, ratings. Yeah, we could, but sorry, Lane. I might have had a little too much of the scotch. That that probably was obvious to everyone else but me. The ratings have to be a lie because you can't get one. Why? The press never has any trouble getting cars. The public does. Um, twenty twenty one. You can get 2021s, especially if you want a dead base work truck for $34,000. If you want vinyl floors, roll-up windows, manual door locks, six-cylinder, AM, FM radio, no fancy sync system or 9-point or 14 or 18-inch screen like the Rams have. If you want a dead base work truck, they're there. And I drove by the Nissan dealership the other day, and I saw a couple 2021 Versus on there. So th there are 2021s. You just have to, <laughs> you kind of said it, get lucky to find them, but they, they are out there. Okay, John, is it just me? Like, I went and, I, I, obviously, I've been at the dealership a few times recently, but I've noticed that all of the used cars, whether they're, you know, relatively new used cars, few years old, has anybody noticed they're not putting any prices on them? That's because they change every 15 minutes. None at all. Exactly. That's, that's, <laughs> that is insanity right there. I mean, I wanted to go, there's, there's a Ford Raptor on the, the lot at the GMC Buick dealership that the the Acadia is being worked on at. And I was just like, eh, I just want to see what they're asking for. It went up. Nothing, no information. I'm like, man, I'm sure the salesman would have told you. And then he would have looked at your fairly brand new pickup and your fairly brand new car in the body shop and priced it accordingly. Mm -hmm. You would have been like, yeah, we can do an even trade those two cars for that Ford Raptor. Oh, I, I say it and sorry, more mini love. That's I still can't believe what I paid for my mini. It's ridiculous because there was a point in time. I haven't checked it recently that I could have sold the car to Carvana and got more than what I paid for it. Tax and everything. I could have got more than that. I would have walked away money ahead. But, I'm honestly I am seriously thinking about looking into it with the truck seeing where I would be on a, a trade and if I could actually, you know, make a little bit of money, break even, whatever, and step into something a, a little um, more affordable for a while. 
and uh, just just make the money. And I don't want to inter- insult too much our favorite couple that listens and comments, but somebody mentioned that they backed into a tree. Um, well, I'm more interested. She said a tree in a trailer. Was the tree towing the trailer or was the tree on the trailer or two separate instances? Well, I'll be honest. When I sideswiped that car with my uh, Fusion, that's why I, one of the reasons I bought the Mini is because I didn't want to fix it. But then, but Jason Jason pointed out the, the reason that happens. He said it, it had a rear view mirror, two outside mirrors, eight-inch display monitor with, for the backup camera, and two vanity mirrors. That's the problem. It had vanity mirrors probably with the little lights. And you know me, I, I'm always doing my hair and stuff while I'm backing down the driveway. So if it wouldn't have had the vanity mirrors, I might have been watching one of the 18 other mirrors. And to add insult to the injury, I backed my Caterham 7. Now keep in mind, you sit in the car. The back of the car is no more than 18 inches behind you. There is no roof. I don't even know if I had the roll bar in it at the time. And I backed into my trailer and put a huge dent in the polished aluminum body. So eh, we all do it. Mm -hmm. Very true. Very true. Well, Eric, you said something. And I was really thinking as I created the name of this episode, we should have probably had Sean on because Sean used to have a podcast called Zero to Sixty. But John didn't think that far ahead. Yeah, well, that's that's what we do. And then I thought about and probably should have drug him on the show because we he's promised to be here. He's I got a sticky under one of my monitors here with his name on it. Um, Mr. Tony Watley had a discussion today about zero to 60 times and their relevance to the real world and cars today and. I'm now wait, break. now wait, whoa, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to stop right there because that's not how it actually started. It became a really good conversation, but his actual comment was debating zero to 60 times tells real car guys that you aren't a real car guy. So it didn't start out as relevance in the real world. It started out more about a comment about real car guys. So the fact we are debating it, we have now just declared ourselves not real car guys. We're not debating zero to 60 times. We're, we're debating the comment. No, we're debating zero to 60 times. I haven't mentioned anything about a zero to 60 time. Okay. Yeah, you did. You started it. I've got it on video. But not about a car. Are we talking about motorcycles? I don't know. Mini trucks? Uh, see, Phil. So anyway, where do you want to go with the conversation? Well, because well, well, my Phil, thing Phil is. started it off. My, my thing is. Oh, hey, Phil. How's it going? Um, my thing is not so much, uh, you know, okay. The relevance of zero to 60 mile an hour times, which winds up being chatted about in the conversation. And, you know, all respect to Tony. Great point. Zero to 60 times. Nah, right. But I took issue with his comment saying that, you know, debating zero to 60 times tells a real car guy that you aren't a real car guy. 
if 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 you're even if if you even have enough interest to to learn zero to sixty uh, times on cars, then you have some level of interest in a car, and you are in that car guy realm. I'm sorry, I I, I don't agree with the way Tony phrased it. I will say that. And my thing here is is you know more yeah zero to sixty times meh, they're they're fancy marketing tools you know as Phil said you know two point six seconds zero to sixty cool marketing you know uh, material and you know oh we can brag about having two point six second zero to sixty times or you know whatever Tesla is doing now or whatever but to me you know. And, and the conversation was very interesting that occurred because of that comment. Uh, but my thing was more kind of a, a, a negative toward car guys. And I, I, I don't know. I kind of took a little like disappointment uh, in that comment. No, because I see, I agree with Tony on his comment because zero to 60 times are easy. You pick up any magazine or video or YouTube channel or whatever you talk about how fast something goes zero to 60. And there's Phil pointing out the new Z06, 2.6 seconds. If you're impressed with 2.6 seconds, I'm sorry. That's not fast anymore. You know, Kona Sig's into the ones. So motorcycles are into the ones. Let's get, you know, do we even have a, you know, they're really not relevant. I mean, the times are so fast anymore they're more than what the human body can, you know, really handle. And it's, I think it's an obsolete number and it's used a lot in marketing and it's used to be impressive and it looks good on the press release and it looks good on your YouTube channel title. But it means really nothing in the world because the difference between, we'll even, I'll even go the Kona Sig at 1.9 seconds to zero to 60 to the Z06 at, 2.6 that's driver aids that's driver that's weather blah 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 all these little factors and that seven tenths of a second can easily change okay but see john 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 you're getting into the fact that zero to 60 times are irrelevant yes they i are. agree i agree with that but tell me why if you're interested in zero to 60 times, you're not a car guy. Why, why would that make you not a car guy? Because like you said, you can pick up any car magazine or go to any YouTube channel, and learn it. Don't you have to be interested in cars to pick that magazine up or go to that YouTube channel? Don't you have to have even the slightest inclination of having an interest in cars? And if we start turning those guys away by saying, oh, because you pay attention to zero to 60 times, you're not a real car guy. We've just lost the future of the car world. No, it's it's an easy number to pick up. It's an easy number to say. It's an easy number to remember. And everybody thinks it's impressive. Maybe it's not just the zero to 60 time. If you can back up that zero to 60 time with an additional fact, it's great. But and not not to be offensive to Corvettes. I guarantee you, you can go to a Corvette meet when the new Z06 comes out and talk to five or six guys with Z06s, and all they will know is the car goes zero to 60 in 2.6 seconds. They won't know a quarter mile time. They won't know a lateral G-force. They won't know details about the car. They will have bought the car for the fear, sole fact 
of that zero to 60 time means nothing other than, oh, it's fast. And then, you know, how many Porsches, how many Ferraris, how many are faster than that? Honestly, I'm a little disappointed in 2.6 with the new Z06, but I guess that gives us room. What's the new ZR1 going to do? You, I know you can't answer or even hint if you, but uh, last impressed with my 2011 Kia Soul, I bought. I, I still, <laughs> I yeah, yeah, right. I, I still, I'm still having a struggle here because I I get that it's not a foundation for all cars, usually just sports cars. I would say Derek is a big car guy, but none of his cars probably even have a zero to sixty time. They actually do. Um, it's just not that impressive. Um. But here's the thing. Why? So, John, you just went over like, oh, I bet you once the Z06 is available for, you know, purchase, you're going to go to a car show and there's going to be five Z06s and the guys are all going to know the zero to 60 time uh, 2.6. And it, because it's a marketing tool and GM put it out there with a lot of other information about the car. But and then you said, you know, they're not going to get know the I don't remember what you listed off altogether, the lateral G forces, the everything else. Right. Um, what if that's not why they're interested in the car? What if they're interested in it for the styling aspect? The fact that it's a mid-engine car rather than a front-engine car. Why does it it come down to those things to make you a car guy? That's where I'm taking issue. Then don't tell me the zero to 60 time. Tell me the designer. Tell me the influences. What's the history behind the design and such on the car? What's the history? Why did we go to a mid-engine? Why does the new Corvette have a lot of Italian styling characteristics in it or whatever? It's give me more facts than just what the press says. Yes, I am impressed that you will know the numbers. I am glad you know the numbers. I'm not going to beat you up. At, you know, I'm not going to beat anybody up at a car show for any reason. You're at a car show or you're enjoying your car. That's that's the fact. And I'm going to be honest. I've talked about it 14 times, 15 times in the, what, 30 minutes we've been on the show. I have no clue what the zero to 60 time on my mini is. I know I'm much more impressed in that 70 to 100 time in my mini as opposed to the zero to 60 time. That's what matters. That's what prevents me from getting killed, especially in sport mode. Um. And um, Phil's talking about Nürburgring and track times. And yeah, the Nürburgring is becoming a kind of a standard too. But I'm not, I guess I'm not even, the Nürburgring numbers drive me crazy. I guess maybe it's more of just my irritant as that um, kind of what, you know, Tony was that way. And I'll be honest, you know, his next post was him talking about running uh, 209.3 many years ago, uh, a couple of years ago, whatever, nine years ago when his Viper. Mm -hmm. That's, well, and, is that, is that a, is that a relevant number too, I guess? What, and, and there, there's the key. What is a relevant number? Because doesn't it depend on what you're using the car for? Are you drag racing it? Are you sports car racing it? You know, are you, oval tracking it, it does, doesn't it the, the number should depend on what you intend to use the car for right i mean in 
And, and just because this is, I owned a 74 Pontiac GTO and I know some of the statistics about the car, it could beat a 64 GTO on a road course because it was more capable 10 years later of the suspension and everything handling the turns better. But the 64 GTO could out, outrun easily outrun the 74 GTO in a drag race. So which car is better? Which, which specs are more important? It comes down to what you're using the car for and what the car is. And I'm still, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm still hung up on the fact that it, if you have even the slightest interest in any part of the story of the car, you're a car guy. Well, that goes into the topic that you want to push for. Maybe we'll get into that one next week is what makes a car person, a car person. Yes, I'm sorry. I used the term car guy and, and you know, it, it, that but, involves everyone. Car chicks, whatever you want to call yourselves. Car I person. mean, I think, I think we have a couple women listening tonight, so oh, I'm sure let's we give do. them all the drops. Well, um, we know Dana's here. But zero to 60, I'm still trying to get my Model T to climb my hill in high gear. I actually worked with a guy on a Model T. He was a second owner. Uh, this was in the late 90s. And he would tell a story about getting pulled over for doing 57 miles an hour in his Model T. And he talked his way out of it because he pointed out it was a Model T. How the hell did it do 57 miles an hour? You know, there were a bunch of factors. Downhill, I don't know, tailwind, he farted. I don't know. what. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, but he said... What made him mad is he talked his way out of the ticket, and then years later he realized I would have really liked to have the ticket so I could prove to people that I got clocked at it. So, got to be careful. Choose what ticket. Choose which ticket you want to talk yourself out of. Um, Lane's in yes, there with a yes. stop stoplight to stoplight. Yeah, maybe zero to sixty makes a difference there, and that's a lot of your. Nah, I'm not going to insult Corvettes anymore. That's a lot of your Mustang guys. And Jason, um, there. A lot of cars don't have to shift gears till 60. You can get 62, 65, and there's a reason there. Um, some of the high performance cars do that is to take that gears change out of the equation. And that goes back to I used to know a gentleman that had a complete shop, very wealthy man, huge, huge, huge into GM products, uh, GNXs. Corvette Z06s, ZR1s, um, Cadillac CTSVs, things like that. And he would commonly get one of the first of whatever was delivered. And he ended up figuring out something that a lot of times, if you get the first 500 or so, one of the first 500 or so of a car, completely different performance specs than cars 500 and, or 501 and above. And he owned his own dyno, and he did did testing on various cars to prove it. You know, one of his CTSVs was like that, like 117, 118. It was a low 100s number production car. Got it. Thing performed like a banshee. He ended up buying another one, and it was slow as snot, in his opinion. And he ran them both on his dyno, and the newer one, with a much higher production number was something like 70 horsepower down on the other one at the wheels. 
which is significant when we're only talking a 400 horsepower car or so. And, you know, he wondered about it. And then at some point he took his, you know, first CTSV in for a service and got it back. And it just didn't perform the same way. And he really had the belief that if you get one of the first 500 cars, those are programmed differently at the ECU because those are going to, a lot of those cars will end up in press fleets and they want the performance numbers. And then when those cars come in for their first oil change or their first recall or their first, you know, thousand mile checkup, the ECU gets remapped to performance specs that will allow the warranty to be effective. And then after, or, or then the cars that are built, you know, after the first 500, they have a very little chance they're going to end up in a press fleet. Other than maybe like when Edmonds gets a car, because Edmonds physically orders their cars and buys every car they test. They don't get them out of press fleets. They go to dealerships. They buy them, which is a really neat, um, or is it Consumer Reports? I can't remember if it's Consumer Reports or Edmonds or both of them, but they actually buy their cars without notifying the manufacturer who they're buying them from and stuff. So they get a real car, which also leans to this gentleman's theory that cars in the press fleet are mapped differently. So that 2.6 second Z06, maybe when you get the 1800th one built, it's actually more of a 2.9 or a 3.0 0 to 60 because it's easier on the transmission. It's easier on the engine. It's easier on all the performance capacity and helps it keep that. I don't know what GM uses for a warranty now for powertrain 660 or something. Um, so there, there's some beliefs in that, that, you know, the numbers that the press is putting out are kind of not necessarily true. I well, and I think even know. in the conversation that Tony um, sparked with this comment, was a lot of discussion on who's driving the car, you know, how is it getting off the line, all those things. I mean, you know, 2.6 seconds, I mean, it's professional driver, it's it's a lot of things. Although then, as as also was discussed, launch control, all the assists that are in the car now, um, all of it, all of it changes things. Yeah, the car might go 2.6, the zero to 16, 2.6, but is the average driver going to be able to make it do that? Mm, hard to say. And Lane, the reason we have 10 speed transmissions, which ironically are the same 10 speeds used in Ford's and General Motors, um, is for gas mileage. The more gears you have and the lower you can keep the RPM, it's you know, almost crazy why your tachometer goes above 2,200 RPM anymore. Is mm-hmm. You know, 10 speeds, you're never going to see that because all the thing does is shift gears. But it still probably has a really tall first gear. Or if you had a 10-speed in, I don't know if the ZL1 Camaro comes with the automatic it might be mapped differently to hold it in that first gear for longer or hold it in first gear and second gear to get to 60 if you're running a 10 speed just so it doesn't have multiple shifts where if you're running the car probably in econo mode or something it's going to shift five or six times before you get to 60 just to keep the rpms at 12 and i mean 12 rpm not 1200 rpm 
Sorry, I was just thinking of something. I completely blanked. I saw the smoke and then the fire kind of smoked yeah, right. Um, <laughs> dang. Well, Elaine was talking about transmissions, ten speeds shifting. Mm. Yep, nope, it's gone. Sorry, guys. So, I mean, Tony ended up. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Um, so the rental car that I have is a Chevy uh, Trax, and um, yeah, yeah, the zero sixty is impressive. Mm-hmm. But it's a rental car, so I can have all kinds of fun. Nothing more needs to be said. I'm going to be anti-car guy here, and I'm going, I'm so damn tempted to type Chevrolet tracks into this Google search because I can't remember what the hell it even looks like. I don't even know what to call it. It's like a a, a micro SUV. I don't know. It's, it's like a, it's like a bloated Aveo or something. <laughs> yes. There you go. That That sounds pretty good right there. Yeah. Is that like the Ford EcoSport that they're no longer going to make, which is like a bloated Ford Focus or something? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's, that's it's what it was. We're going to stop building cars. Thing. We're just going to blow up our cars. Yeah, I mean, poorly inflate our cars. Poorly laid out. I don't. I don't like the controls in it. And just do we put weight behind <sighs> Jason's comment? Zero to sixty is a marketing tool that gets you to uh, think your old car is obsolete and gets you to buy a newer, faster model. I don't know if I'm going to say for the everyday person, no, but I'm going to say I have some wealthy friends that will get rid of their Ferrari or Lamborghini because another one is a tenth of a second faster in the quarter mile, or they'll forego the all-wheel drive version of X car to get the two-wheel drive car because it's a little bit faster. Um you know, or sell their all-wheel drive version to get that. But I don't think the average person who makes car payments is necessarily looking at that as a, you know, I think you've got to have a little bit more than saying the zero to 60 improved, you know, a tenth of a second or two tenths of a second. Well, but I think, I mean, you only hear zero to 60 times on cars that most people our cars they're not going and financing and monthly paymenting on and, and stuff like that. I mean, it's, you know, Corvette is, might be an anomaly in that uh, situation, but I guess Mustang does it to your, you know, those kind of cars. Mustang does it. Hyundai does it with a Velocitor, more, more of the Velocitor and the top model, but it, you know, the top models designed to sell the lower models. Um, Mini does it with their minis. They, um, Dodge does it like crazy with their entire product line. You know, it's fast. Let's put a Hellcat in it. It's even faster. Uh, it does zero to 60 in, you know, 48 seconds, even though it's got 700 horsepower. And this is an SUV that weighs 14 tons. But um, no, I don't. And I, I think there's a lot of cars that rely on that zero to 60 um, or I guess we could even, you know, I guess go beyond that. If you look at marketing, horsepower, 707 horsepower, you know, big deal um, when it comes to a health. But is it, so is it, is it, but then twist it. Is it a marketing 
tool to get, as, as Jason says, to get you to think your old car is obsolete, or is it merely a marketing tool to show the improvement and progression of the technology that the car company is uh, putting in their cars? In other words, hey, we're building this car better than the last one. Not necessarily saying that, um, you know, your old car is obsolete and you should do this, but rather just we're moving forward. Because there's been times in the past where we've certainly moved backwards. Uh, thank you, OPEC, oil crisis, 1970s, um, you know, all that good stuff. But I guess since Jason's brought it to a marketing aspect, um, that to me adds some validity to Mr. Watley's statement that you're not a real car guy because you're, you know, if you are actually buying your car just on a zero to 60 time or something, are you looking at the entire picture of the car? Um, again, I guess we can throw it to some of my. And I don't think any of them listen because I don't want to insult them. But some of my mega, mega wealthy friends that do buy cars based on the, you know, they're a tenth of a second faster, or it's all wheel drive or two wheel drive, or, you know, you know, whether it makes putting pops in the back seat or whatever, they will, it, uh, it is a marketing tool and it's brought there. And, you know, it's, you know, most of these guys, aren't race car drivers. Most of them will never be able to match the zero to 60 time that any of the press guys do. The zero to 60 time, I don't know how many know it. Most car magazines, zero to 60 times are not from a dead stop. They're from a rolling start. Um, so the car is already moving, which again, speeds up the time. It's, all you know it's all a perfect world scenario and it tesla proved it with the plaid and that they can take a model x plaid model s plaid i'm sorry and drop it anywhere in the country at any altitude at any temperature and that car is going to run what is it nine twos nine eight quarters all day long mm-hmm where you can't do that with a Hellcat Challenger. You can't do that with a Ferrari Pista. You can't do that with a Mercedes GT. You can't do that with a 911 Turbo because atmosphere, altitude, oxygen, oxygen levels, and, um, wind, well, wind affects the electric cars a little bit, but none of that affects electric car. It runs it. It runs it every day. Solid as snot. Boom, 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 boom. Where, you know, I can't remember for, and I, if Dodge even said it after I, Tesla with the plaid ran their time, is that for them to get the demon under 10 seconds, they went to Texas at an ideal time of year with ideal temperatures and waited multiple days for this perfect scenario to run the car and get guarantee that speed. Tesla, he showed up, you know, I don't know, you know, got out of the car, maybe got their Skittles and, you know, their Diet Coke out of the cup holder, popped some talk show host in the driver's seat and said, go for it. And he did. 
and he did it. You know, not a professional driver, you know, nothing. And it's, well, I mean, he's a little more advanced than most drivers, but, you know, he wasn't a race car driver or anything, just some gray-haired dude that wears denim and tells jokes. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know if it's really... I, I, I guess I read Tony's thing as, is that a relative? I didn't take it as an insult to car guys or car enthusiasts. Um, you might have a, a point there that anybody, Derek, that anybody that gets excited about a car needs to be fed more, more of that juice or more of that candy and make, you know, what I can't think of what the expression is, but you know, drink more, uh, drink more of the same Kool-Aid. Drink more of the Kool-Aid. Yes. I mean, okay. Yeah. You're into the zero to 60. Hey, do you know that this thing can actually corner it, you know, 0.91 G's or 92 G's or whatever. Um, and it's funny as I, how many, how many Kenny G's can it do? And you just made me think of a totally off-topic thing when it came to. You're welcome. Performers that you never expected in certain bands. It goes back to a conversation I had Saturday afternoon, and then ironically, I think I rehad the conversation on Sunday, but with somebody else, and he's going, "No, no, no, that person's not in that band." And okay, I'm pretty sure. Googled it, eh, not 100%. So, you know, texted said person that I had the conversation with, and they couldn't believe I actually paid that close of attention in the conversation. But, and then by the time I got the answer, the other person going, You're right, that person's doing that. <laughs> I told you Leonard Skinner was the front man of Leonard Skinner. Oh, wait. <laughs> and by the way, who is Pink Floyd? I've never been able to figure him out. I don't like Pink Floyd. What sacrilege? Get off the show. Well, there's Talk a about a great car collection. Nick Mason. And what a great guy. Down to earth. Awesome guy. Great <laughs> drives car a, collection. Drives a $60 million, $70 million from Ferrari GTO to the grocery store. <laughs> of course. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? I want to go back to Jason's, one of Jason's comments, because I think it would be hilarious. He's he's talking about trucks are always showing a Ford or a Dodge or a Chevy not being able to pull the boat. Um, all the big three are always dumping on the other manufacturers. I think they need to do it where it's like infomercial style, where, you know, you like see the first, you know, like kind of black and white grainy video do you have problems pulling your boat? And like the Ford is like lugging and the hitch comes undone and it's, you know, all the stupid little stuff that would never happen. And then, you know, we'll buy this Chevy and then everything's perfect in the world. I think that's the way they should do them. I'm sorry. All of a sudden I'm thinking of Billy Mays Hayes, which if anybody doesn't know I started growing my beard the day after Billy Mays passed away because I believe there's a certain number of people on the planet that should have beards, and I replaced Billy Mays. OxyClean. You know what I prefer? ShamWow. Uh, we don't want to get into that, and we may as well talk about certain comedians. 
Uh, Phillips actually been, uh, ridden in a plaid. You know, we really should talk to Phil more often. <laughs> he actually was on an episode last year talking about rotaries, and I believe he's even completed the V8 uh, project that he had. He'd be a good guy. Phil, we need to talk and get you back on the show. Find out what you've learned about piston engines and I'd love to talk to you. I was I I haven't finished it yet. I was I was glancing through an article about um how rotary engines might be the right engine for hydrogen power. And uh, that could be interesting to talk with Phil about. Oh man, Lane, that is, I grew up near Saginaw, Michigan. I grew up in GM country and that was always the discussion we had. If you could take, and of course back then, you know, let's, I probably shouldn't say what year it was cause I'll date myself. Um, but you know, back then the joke was always, especially with my dad, who was a GM guy, um, you know, you'd take at the time, Let's just say, I think Lane, I think Lane was actually in this conversation on one of the previous episodes back in the like early mid nineties, let's say Chevrolet engines and their trucks weren't necessarily the best. I think we talked about the, uh, the, the, you know, piston slap, the, the knocking that they would have. Um, but it was always take a, a, a GM or a Chevy body because the metal was tended to be a little better in the Chevy GM trucks than the Ford trucks and take the Ford chassis and engine and drive line and made them together. And you'd have like the perfect truck. Cause you'd have a solid drive, uh, you know, drivetrain and a great body that didn't rust as quickly. And you'd have the perfect truck. Now I think Jason misspelled the perfect truck. He spelled it GMC. I believe it's Rivian. R I V I A N R I V A N. I think that's the perfect truck. Really? Because I thought it was Garford. G-A-R-F-O-R-D. That's they Garfield. Were no, Garford. <laughs> they were fantastic trucks. Beasts. They could do anything. You mean REOs? <laughs> hey, they believe it's time for them to fly. Yeah. Uh, something about uh, touching the sky in their speed wagons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, exactly. the original Dodge Little Red Express, the REO Speedwagon. Uh, it's like Peterbilt. I don't know anything about those trucks. They look cool. They're semis. I believe. I couldn't even tell you what uh, the snowman drove in Smokey and the Bandit. Did he drive a Kenworth? Great question. I know I in convoy. Know. I know in convoy they talk about a Kenworth hauling hogs, but I don't know what Pigpen was driving in Kent then. And I thought uh, Chris Christopherson was driving a Peterbilt. I don't know. Now we're getting talking about movie cars again, and we know movie what semis. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we got a little convoy. You know, now all of a sudden I'm ready to sing. Oh yeah, we got. I convoy. told you, I'm a. Uh, 10 ounces in, we're in trouble now. <laughs> oh. So, summing up what we've been talking about, zero yeah, to 60 times are irrelevant, but discussing them does not make you uh, less of or not a car guy. One man's opinion. 
I'll go with your statement. Rubber, dro- rubber duck drove a Mac. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Big Ben, here's a rubber duck. I'm about to put the hammer down. We got a little convoy rocking through the no. night. <laughs> did you just see that viewer number drop? <laughs> I haven't had enough scotch for this. I don't know if they've made enough scotch for that. Probably not. <laughs> All of Scotland, you're in trouble. Snowman was a Kenworth. Of course, Toby would know. Toby's a truck guy. Well, we got our questions answered. It's great to have. I really don't like the fact Peterbilt and Kenworth are very similar. And is Peterbilt really two words? Because I think that's twice you've written it with a space in it. No, I guess only once. Pat Carr. Although Peterbilt is not spelt that way. Peterbilt is P-E-T-E-R-B-I-L-T, if I remember correct. I don't think they use the U. I think it's Peterbilt. Correct me if I'm wrong, somebody, but I, I swear they do not use the U. Yep, Toby's got it right. Cab over Pete with a reefer on and a Kenworth hauling logs. I've always we're loved the fact that they're headed, called reefers. We're heading for Bear on I-10, about a mile out of Shaggy Town. And that's when he says, Pigpen, this here's a rubber duck. I'm about to put the hammer down. Oh, Lord. I used to have a game that was called 10-4 Good Buddy. And you had these little trucks and you tried to, you know, you went around the board game and it was all CB handles and stuff. And hell, since we're talking about every one of my damn exes, let's, we've got the ex-wife in there. We've got Amanda in there. We've got Z in there. Let's just go ahead and throw in um, Diana. Cause when I was dating her, I bought a copy of 10 for good buddy, the board game off of eBay. Sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what uh, what semi it was in Six Days on the Road. Shit, I don't even know that movie. No, 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 it's a song, country song. Six days on the road, and I'm gonna make it home tonight. No, still don't know it. Toby, help me out here. Come on, I'm looking up the lyrics. No, he's sitting here. He's reading the lyrics Convoy because he's getting all those. I got my 10 forward gears and my Georgie overdrive, right? Yep, yep. Just past the Jimmy in a white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I swear they mentioned what he, the song mentioned what he was driving, but. Well, hurry up. You've got uh, 45 seconds. I'm going to cut this off at 60 to save these poor listeners. <laughs> uh, maybe it doesn't say what he was driving. He just talks about passing the Jimmy in the white. Well, do we quickly look it up on YouTube and see what he's driving in the video? Because that we know what the director picked out is exactly what the songwriter was picturing. It's probably a mini. No I don't know. It's just a diesel wound up and she's running like it never before. Now, all of a sudden, I'm thinking um, Hot Rod Lincoln. 
son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, I, well, anyway. No, let's go on a tirade. Uh, Brad Fanshawe, if you happen to be watching, I bought this damn Bond Speed watch, and I cannot figure out how to shrink the band. Uh, please uh, get in touch with me. I know you're busy, but you know what? If you if you can if you complain about car uh, or if you complain (laughs) about watches on a car podcast, you're probably not a real car guy. Brad Fanshawe used to be uh, president of Boyd Boyd Connington. Brad Fanshawe builds wheels. Bond Speed watches are part of Bond Speed Media, which is his whole car gambit thing. He's a pretty big car guy. He should be watching. I converse with him quite often. Other than he won't get back to me on how to shrink the damn size of this because I have petite little wrists. And I really want to wear my Bond Speed as opposed to my Seiko. Work out. Beef up the wrists. No comment. You've been skipping wrist day. (laughs) Believe it or not, I have not been skipping wrist day. (laughs) And with that, I think we should probably end the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. What's the deal with the car in the background? What is it? What's it zero to 60? That Lane is a, got here late. Yeah. That is a automatic Mini Cooper of 2013. It's zero to 60 is something like four and a half days. It is a very anemic slow car. But that is the car that as if you go back to the beginning of the podcast, got me back into, got me considering minis again. It is actually a Ray edition. It's one of 500, which is heavily involved in the rainbow connection. Ooh, now I'm thinking the Muppets. Excellent. I I love the Muppets. They're, They're fantastic. Which then gets me to another TV show that I've been watching and, as dumb as it sounds that they seem to, there's an upcoming episode I'm excited to see because they have an XKE in it or an E type and at a classic car dealership and real housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, (laughs) I thought you were going to say something good. Like you were watching the crown or something like that, where they have their old cars in it. But no, I actually started watching that the other night for a reason. And unfortunately, I'm watching using an, a Roco SE stick as opposed to my Google Chromecast. And it doesn't play the next episode, the next episode. It plays an episode and then it picks something out of the wilder, you know, wild. So I woke up this morning watching The Bachelor. So uh, what what is the old saying when 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 is it? Which way is it? When art imitates real life, or when real life imitates art? Which which way is that saying? John wakes up watching The Bachelor. Yeah. Um, I think Jason probably said it there at ten o two p.m. And we're at what now? I can't read the clocks on this damn computer. Yeah, uh, it's ten o four. Yeah, we we probably should hang it up. It'd be great talking to everybody tonight. No driving gloves. No drivinggloves.com. You can find links to all the episodes, links to our social media. Please buy us a coffee if you found the show in, uh, entertaining. Um, you know, we bring it to you and, you know, we threatened you with some manscaping and some, um, what is it, um, 
Casper mattresses and stuff. If you, you know, if you don't start buying us coffee, we're going to start figuring out some stuff. And believe it or not, you really don't want John talking to you about manscaping. We will talk to you later. I'm out of here. See you.